I had the weirdest Thanksgiving. Why? My parents, it was just me and my parents. It just didn't feel like Thanksgiving. It felt very small and weird, and I spent most of my time at my parents' house uh, diagnosing and then troubleshooting their computer issues, like I always do. Yeah, I did some of that, too. Yeah. Uh-oh. And then they had me copy edit my sister's cover letter for a job in her application. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm just did like... you get paid part-time to go to Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, you know, I should tell them what I bill an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they'd like that. No, I don't think they would. Good morning, meat suits and meat dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. This is the Thanksgiving hangover episode. We're a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 71. We've now done as many episodes as there are characters in a standard English keyboard, not counting anything using shift controller function keys. (laughs) Speaking of things that nobody wants to hear anything more about, we've been reading the final (laughs) third of George W. Bush's autobiography, Decision Points. You can read along with us for free by going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep and signing up for a free trial. They'll give you an audio book for free just for trying it, and you can keep it even if you cancel the membership. And you can use that for this or the abridged version of this or not this. That would be the super abridged version. <laughs> <laughs> this abridged version is called Harry Potter. How did that happen? Awesome. Also a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to have a say in what we read next you can go to read-weep.com slash suggest fill out a little form there suggest any topic under the sun that you would like us to suffer through let me introduce you to today's panel this is the access of podcast first up he doesn't want to prove that he's unarmed because then his crazy neighbors would make fun of him L- ladies and gentlemen welcome Ezra to the show I'm gonna beat myself up for a while <laughs> and then we will beat you up <laughs> <laughs> Also joining us today, he's refining uranium for a civilian nuclear program. Also, those aren't bombs. Those are just giant civilian pencil cups. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Chris back to the show. Yeah, that's right. You wish you had our pencil cups. (laughs) What up, Iraq? (laughs) Very threatening. Also joining us today, we have a very special guest. He wrote several renowned operas and got five hole-in-ones on the first time he ever golfed. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Andrew back to the show. A little-known fact is I actually wrote the operas while I was getting the holes in one. You were golfing at the opera. There are golf operas. There are well-known <laughs> North Korean golf operas. And, of course, I'm, I'm your host. Sadly, uh, my time and power was cut short before I could kill every crazy world leader that I wanted to. My name's Alex. Hey, Alex. I like that Bush wasn't very good at the game Evil, Stupid, or Crazy, because it really should have been the axis of crazy. <laughs> All right, uh, before we talk about the book anymore, Chris, I'm going to need you to summarize. And this time I would like you to summarize as if we're all in your pickup truck and you're taking us around your ranch, except in this case the ranch is the second or the third third of George Bush's autobiography. (laughs) The second final third of this book. Yes, the third half. Okay. All right. 
Oh, well, hop in the truck there. Yeah, F-250. Uh, just driving around. See my country. Yeah. Uh, right here in this uh, last uh, third of acreage of my uh, decision points here. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Katrina and how I mopped up after that. Uh, solved. Absolutely. Uh, look over there. Uh, beyond those hedges, you can see... Oh, yep. We're just... Uh, we're getting to Africa. Uh, looking at the malaria problem. The AIDS problem. Solved those two. Nice decisions there. Um, then we look at uh, Iraq. Yeah, Iraq, that's still going on. Here, let's uh, just go around this dirt road. Yeah, uh, so we decided that uh, there'd be a surge, and uh, we pretty much solved that one. Nip that one right in the bud. And uh, later, uh, oh, yep, okay, financial crisis, financial crisis. Um, you know, it's getting a little hot in here. Turn up the AC. Uh, but I'm talking to the right people. We're making the right stuff, and uh, I, think, uh, I think we pretty much solved that one, too. Uh, nicely done, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> If you're driving around the ranch, I feel like I need to do a turkey sound effect right here. <laughs> the turkey miracle! <laughs> oh my god, it's a turkey. <laughs> the only time a turkey was ever spotted on his ranch. <laughs> now we'll be friends forever. <laughs> I don't understand why the turkey made Saudi Arabia love him so much. Like, He didn't care about anything else he was talking about, but he was like, holy shit, a turkey. This is meant to be. Maybe like Bush like didn't know how it worked, but just was really happy that it did. So he got like changed, dressed up as a turkey. Anytime he brought like another world leader by, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, look at that, Mister Ahmadinejad. It's a turkey, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant evil turkey. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do some compliments now. So we are going to. As always, start and end with a compliment sandwich, which makes us feel like fair criticism. Andrew, as the guest, I think you understand by now you have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment round. I'm going to go last once again. Once again, I love that. The perfect three. I'm going to go first then. I think one of the themes of this book could be described as photo op gone wrong. <laughs> so there's the mission accomplished banner. There was the Katrina flyover, both of which were not his fault, of course. And then when he was in Africa fighting the AIDS crisis, he went on a safari, and right as the press corps was about to take his picture, a couple of randy elephants started uh, smushing right yes. behind him. <laughs> uh. And I, I think it was adorable how he dealt with it by referring to them as randy. And I also would like to compliment the fact that uh, the elephants were not listening to his abstinence program in Africa. <laughs> Well, you know, with uh, elephants, you know, the entire outdoors is their smush room. <laughs> it's their their smush prairie. Yeah. Savannah, please. Their, Savannah. their, their smush savanna. Yeah. It also strikes me that there should be somebody on Dancing with the Stars named Randy Elephant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. Okay, going uh, going forward to Chris, what is your major compliment? Yeah, uh, my, my major compliment is that Bush's memoir delightfully does not escape the backdoor self-compliment. And what I mean by that is he says things like he's he's talking about Hank Paulson, that he's not a great communicator because sometimes he just can't talk as fast as he can think. And that people <laughs> have said that about George W. Bush as well. <laughs> His mind just works way faster than he can talk. And, and that's why he sounds like a complete buffoon. Did anybody ever said that George Bush's mind worked too fast? <laughs> yeah, well, what it was, I think it was like, yeah, his mouth is moving too fast for his brain to keep up, which is what people say about me. And I was like, no, that's, that's not really what they say about you, George. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're finally in, in, innocent of that one <laughs> crime. If only he could express his genius. <laughs> 
Ezra, what is your compliment? Um, I'm gonna guess give him a pretty good burn on on terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because at one point he's saying that like the terrorists were um recruiting uh, mentally handicapped suicide bombers, which is you know really lamentable uh, morally, but also shows they have recruiting problems, is what he said. <laughs> really is he really did find a way to make that seem like a silver yeah, lining it, he, he found it it's such a i mean it's a, it's such a terribly like dark dark um image also of just mentally mentally hadn't kept suicide bombers because like what are you gonna tell them like like what do they think they're about to do you know <laughs> right <laughs> jeez i know right uh that's Man, right. Ezra's telling the sad stories this week. Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving right along. <laughs> Andrew, the time has come. What is your major compliment? So my compliment is, uh, I hate to say this, but I think you're going to have more George Bush books coming down the uh, pike, but I think they're going to be thriller novels. <laughs> he has the makings of an excellent thriller writer. I'd like to... Uh, read from you uh, just one section of dialogue here if I could. Mm-hmm. This is when he's talking about uh, meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin after he has uh, invaded Georgia. And here's how the dialogue goes. <laughs> I've been warning you, Saakashvili is hot-blooded, I told Putin. I'm hot-blooded too, Putin retorted. <laughs> I stared back at him. No, Vladimir, I said, you're cold-blooded. <laughs> oh. which, which means what exactly? He needs to sit on a hot rock just to keep warm. <laughs> it's like, well, that would explain why I always like saunas. Yeah. And I keep wanting to invest in Geico when I see Hey, so for uh, the next game we're going to play, it's the time for the hate segments. This week we're playing a game called Operation. Oh, man. Uh, where you have to try to pull the little hateful bone out of the hateful arm without electrocuting yourself. <laughs> I'm going to start this one off as well. So I think my number one hate is uh, who Bush turns to when he finally acknowledges that he needs help deciding things. So, like, when he was trying to decide what to do with Iraq when Iraq was going so badly, he relied on emails from grieving families, yep, which are sure to give him partial advice, poor connections to Lincoln biographies, again, fairly arbitrary, and then uh, this priest who speaks in, like, bumper stickers or something. So, like, right at the last minute when he decides that he has to go forward with the surge, this priest tells him, no just cause has ever come without a sacrifice. And then he followed that up with, if you're going to make an omelet, you need to break a few eggs. And my honor roll student got beaten up by your Iraqi terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> and Dog is my co-pilot. <laughs> well, I want to tag off of uh, one of your hates there, because he says that he read 14 Lincoln biographies during his presidency. <laughs> Look, in case the next one changed. Yeah, that to me is excessive. I mean, I... Th- Retention is not a strong suit. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> I'd really like him to be maybe gathering some other information during the presidency, not like reading two Lincoln biographies per year. It just it seems excessive. He also, I mean, has a huge Lincoln boner. 
I mean, he uh, he decides that he is basically the second coming of Abraham Lincoln because he is also an American president who connects with the troops on the ground. <laughs> I mean, what president has come out and said, like, I am an in- entirely unlike Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> we share no good qualities. Washington? <laughs> okay, touche. <laughs> George Washington was like, I'm not like that Lincoln fucker. There are 13 presidents that probably never said that they were like Lincoln, but... <laughs> I mean, Lincoln probably didn't think he was much like Lincoln. All right, for at least 14. <laughs> All right, I take it back. You're totally right. There are a number of them. But I mean, 14, that's, that's borderline obsessive-compulsive reading 14 <laughs> Lincoln biographies. Maybe he's like a savant, where he, like, he actually is literate, but he can only read Lincoln biographies. It's <laughs> a litter for everything else, but it's that's his flavor of heroin. <laughs> that's it. That's his Bella. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back to uh, to that other hate about who he can he consults on things. I mean, the entire like framework of this book is I see a problem and I consult this one guy and he says this, so I do it. Problem solved. You know who he is? Who? He's he's Encyclopedia Bush. <laughs> he asked one question and immediately knew the answer to the puzzle. That's right. You mean he deployed one question? He deployed one question. <laughs> <laughs> and it returned safely home with an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, it lost both of its legs. <laughs> but then he ran with it later. <laughs> but he still ran with it. Ezra tells another sad story. Another <laughs> oh. moment of the book where I was like, surely I won't be able to make fun of this later. <laughs> Also, I'm impressed that Bush kept pace with a bionic man. <laughs> Who's got another hate for us? All right, I'll go. Okay. After all of the shit that Bush has done and failed to do, wouldn't it have been really something else if he'd brought peace to the Middle East? <laughs> <laughs> the way he describes it, he was like 10 minutes away yeah. from solving that crisis. Yeah. <laughs> so close. So close. <laughs> but wouldn't that... Wouldn't that have really fucked with his legacy? <laughs> I like that he was just about to do it, but then like sort of like the lunch bell like sounded. Yeah. Like, oh, gotta go. <laughs> Presidency's up. Shoot! Oh man. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Too bad. Other hates? Have you noticed that George Bush does this really despicable thing where he puts things in terms of other things? For instance, he puts the malaria problem in Africa not in how many people are sick. Or in how many people die per day or per year. But in terms of dollars lost by negative opportunity cost from dead people. So he (laughs) says. Economists estimated that the disease cost Africa $12 billion a year in medical expenses and lost productivity. And then you're like, what? How do you put that? It's kind of like, like, well, I ate less M&Ms than you got trick-or-treating last year. Well, that doesn't really tell me how many M&Ms you ate. Or right. how, how big the M&M crisis is. <laughs> right. Also, your M&M analogy doesn't quite capture the horrible fact that he's calculating human life's value in terms of GDP. Right. Exactly. It's, just... it's, like, it's like, I got fewer M&Ms than you got trick-or-treating last year, and Timmy got killed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is worth 30 more M&Ms. <laughs> Timmy could have yeah, grabbed the 30 M&Ms that Timmy would have gotten if he had kept on trick or treating. 
I think that Timmy only being able to carry 30 M&Ms suggests he has a very small G M&M P. G D M&M. Anyway. I got I got a hate um yeah. for um for give me a flashback of uh of the secret um <laughs> So when, when I don't know if you realize this but when Bush talks about freedom it's exactly the same way that uh Rhonda Byrne talks about love and uh and your own personal power. Oh yes. Yeah, yes. The freedom agenda. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But freedom is not an American value. It is a universal value. Freedom cannot be imposed. It must be chosen. And when people are given the choice, they choose freedom. <laughs> Points of power. <laughs> freedom is good. <laughs> All right. Uh, other hates. I hate that there are no quotes from other world leaders on the book jacket. I really want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell I mean, us like, about the book jacket. What is the book jacket like for? There like is. This? No, well, okay. So there's no quotes on the back. Uh, the front has a picture of uh, George Bush where I think he's supposed to be looking like he's making some kind of important decision. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure it, it was taken like outside the Rose Garden and the look on his face says, hey, which door am I supposed to go in? <laughs> An important decision. Uh, creepiest sentence in the book. Yeah. I was at the NATO summit when I felt Don Rumsfeld hand reach over my shoulder. Ah, <laughs> 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 that dude's like like Skeletor. <laughs> he, he was in Washington D.C. at the time. That's why was <laughs> Speaking of inappropriate groping, um, <laughs> there was a point in the uh, 2008 Olympics. I made international news by giving Misty a playful slap on the back, a little north of the traditional target. I'm gonna, I guess, hate on Bush for not understanding that that north isn't necessarily up. <laughs> <laughs> Also, there's a, there's a lot of vagueness in that, too, that the intended target could have been the backs of her knees. He didn't say how far yeah. north. <laughs> if you travel it in the North Country Fair Where the winds hit heavy on the low borderline Remember me to one who lives there As your Thanksgiving looked fun, little like expat Thanksgiving, or yeah, yeah. I mean, so this is the first one that Sarah and I had actually made, also like by ourselves. So that was pretty fun. Cool. It looks like you guys made spaghetti. True. <laughs> um, I think that was from a different. That was from the the night before. I think. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, the first Thanksgiving dinner we made, we made spaghetti. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, the same as all of the other meals we made. It just happened to be spaghetti night fell on a Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> We're not going to move spaghetti night. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just too um, good. What are we, barbarians? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this week, what I'd like to do is I'd like to do a combination of mini games. All right. So this this is a mini game round. There's a lot of games that we've acquired uh, that we usually do near the end of a topic, but we're going to kind of combine them all into one little mini-game segment. So I'll ask you guys some questions. First of all, let's play one change. So obviously every every terrible book is only one change away from being truly great. What would be one tiny thing you would affect in this book to make the whole change the whole tone of it? I got it. So 
as we all know, the Situation Room should definitely be uh, run uh, by the Situation. (laughs) (laughs) So much better. (laughs) Don't touch anything! (laughs) What we got right here is... It's all contaminated. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I think all of the experts that he consults on foreign policy and military issues should be Doc Brown from Back to the Future. <laughs> and the economy. Don't do it. It's Great crazy. Scott! We've got a mortgage-backed security! <laughs> He's got very strong views on Libyans. <laughs> I bet he does. Well, that was really clever. All right, I got one. I think uh, I think the book would be far more awesome if it were written in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, another another mini game. Let's all play No Retreat, No Surrender. Mm. So just like the fantastic movie No Retreat, No Surrender, the main character of a work is not always the most interesting. Who would you rather have followed as the story of instead of President Bush? Clearly, the answer is Barney the dog. Yes. Yep, I was going there too. I mean, you could tell that Bush wanted the book to be more about him too, because the the end of the epilogue was about Barney taking a shit. Yeah. <laughs> It was riveting, though. <laughs> Try to tear yourself away from the page at that point. It was very surprising. I also like to think that Barney is stronger than we gave him credit for. Like, Cheney is secretly manipulating Bush, but Barney is secretly running Dick Cheney. <laughs> With a series of, like, leaving treats out and classically conditioning him to respond to <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Also, it is time to cast the movie. Who is going to be acting in the movie version of Decision Points? Frankie Muniz is Bush. <laughs> Dude needs work. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main reason. I don't know. Also, Little Boy President would be amazing, right? Let's see. Who would be Dick Cheney? Who do I want as Dick Cheney? Uh, see, the thing is, there was a movie yeah. that came out a little bit ago. There was. And, and they cast it so that it looks pretty much like those people. Yeah, so, so let's not do that then. Yeah. I'm going outside the box with Dick Cheney. I'm going for Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. This one badass VP. I was totally thinking about going in like a Meryl Streep direction, quiet and dignified. <laughs> this is really not based on the look of anything. <laughs> um, can we get Whoopi for Condoleezza Rice? <laughs> oh my God. She'd have so much attitude. The wisecracking Secretary of State. I think Whoopi would have a good time with it. <laughs> that's what really matters. When we're casting this movie, we should think of what would make Whoopi happy. <laughs> that's how I make most of my decisions. <laughs> Who are gonna be the uh, who's gonna be the news twins? Who's gonna be uh, Jenna and Barb? Oh well, the uh, only other famously kind of fucked up and stupid twins, right? I mean, it's got to be the Olsons. The, oh yeah, good call. Oh, not 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 the people who played the Weasleys in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that too. They could be uh, red-haired men. <laughs> Jenna, Barbara, what? (laughs) Hey, Ez, remember last week when I was talking about President Obama? Yeah, you said that he uh, shouldn't go hard to the hole anymore because he'll get injured when he plays basketball. Yeah. Have Have you been reading the news? Uh, no. What happened? It turns out, went hard to the hole and got 12 stitches in his face when somebody elbowed him. 
no shit, dude, you're like psychic. I don't like to think of it as, as seeing the future so much as creating it with my bare words. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, maybe in the future that will be a, a saying. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. I just made it happen. That's how strong I am. There's there's an interesting thing I'd like to, I should tell you is first of all, if you're so out of touch with the news, did you know that Audible.com has audio subscriptions to several major newspapers and magazines? I actually did not know that. I should have told you that would have made you a better spokesperson for them. We could I mean, yes, I did know about that. <laughs> <laughs> this is going really well. Hey, uh so you know what I was thinking was since uh we should take this moment together to talk about what the future headlines we're going to be able to create uh, that will show up on your audible.com subscription to the New York Times. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Um, do you realize they are making a Weekend at Bernie's 4 starring Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, remember when, I remember when we were talking about The Notebook, um, Chris was all like, you know, uh, the way those two lovers are, it's just like North Korea and South Korea not getting along. And, um, yeah. and they're still not getting along, so it's very, very prescient. Yeah, it was actually really amazing, too, because he followed that up with, and it's also like their, you know, their friend, the United States, is doing naval drills around them. Yeah, and context didn't really make sense at the time, but yeah, it's yeah. all is clear now. <laughs> it really came through later, but at the, it was very surprising. Didn't one of you uh, offer theoretical proof of Justin Bieber last year? <laughs> Except it was in your prediction, it was a woman. <laughs> it's it still, still might be, yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember when we were uh, doing uh, The Lost Symbol, and we said that it felt like being trapped in the bottom of a Chilean mine for, like, days and days and days? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was it was weird that you were so specific about which South American country would have a mind that would feel like that. I just had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> One day, there will be a tagline marking the end of this bit. Get a free trial at audiblepodcast.com slash readitweep. So bend your knees and bow your heads. Save your babies, here's your future. Yeah, here's your future. It's time for the minor compliments. We're going to go in reverse order. This is the last nice thing you'll ever have to say about George W. Bush's autobiography. Andrew, start us off. One more compliment, please. I'm going to go with, uh, I like in the acknowledgments that he says, even my parents' dogs, C. Fred and Millie, authored their own works. <laughs> and to me, that, uh, that throws this whole book into question. Because <laughs> if, uh, he, if he believes that his parents' dogs actually did author their own works, then uh, I'm, I question uh, whether he actually authored this work. <laughs> In his own words. <laughs> I'd like it to be maybe like dictated but not read. We're just like, woof, 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 woof. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ezra? Yeah. What's your minor compliment? If I'm going to miss anything about Bush, it's just that his mind is kind of a playful place to be in sometimes. I guess. <laughs> God, you like stupid people. I yeah, you do. do. Um, for example, um, Bush was very afraid of spooking the markets um, after the economic crash. And it seemed like he really <laughs> did believe that the markets were, you know, like, I don't know, like like timid ghosts, I guess, or something like that. You know, where like, they, <laughs> like, 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 like Casper in the beginning of Casper, you know, where like he, he, he wants to be friends with Christina Ricci, but then like, good, you know, 
goes away and I don't know it's just everyone's very tentative and I think that there's a kind of a gentle market whisperer in Bush. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ghosts in uh, in Mario where if you look at them they won't move but as soon as you turn away they get all emboldened. Yeah, exactly. So you know you got I'm let... sure it's exactly like that. <laughs> That's that's how markets. You gotta let AIG come to you. You know, you gotta put out a little cable, yeah. <laughs> and it'll be right there. Yeah. Uh, all right, Chris. Minor compliment. Yeah. Uh, so once again, I'm gonna end an episode about this book by saying I really like how Bush puts everything in terms of personal relationships. For instance, he is sure that the chairman of the Fed and his chief economic advisor are going to get along because one is quiet. And one is talkative, and they're like the odd couple. <laughs> sure that you know there isn't going to be any problems with putting them together to fix all of the economy. Because because opposites attract themselves to strong markets and fix economies. Exactly. It's, it's a saying that will exist in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Keynes was so wrong about this. <laughs> he was. Well, he didn't read his separate treatise on Keynesian friendships. <laughs> Economic jokes. What? All right. So uh, for my final compliment for this book, we're going to end you with this thought. Uh, I think my favorite metaphor in the entire thing is when, I believe it was Dick Cheney, but it could have been Rumsfeld, says uh, they want Iraq to do more of its own security. So he says, uh, it was time for us to take our hand off the bicycle seat. Uh, so in this analogy, if you follow it, uh, <laughs> Iraq is the bicycle. And the Iraqi people are trying to ride it, I suppose. Uh, and so we just blew off the both wheels of the bike with precision-guided missiles. And we captured, tried, and then hung the handlebars. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely went back to the analogy a number of times. Yeah. I, what a douchey thing to say. Like, hey, I just killed your entire police force and military. Now it's time for you to start taking responsibility for yourself. And then we went back to Congress and asked them for training wheels. And Congress <laughs> said no to training wheels. So we... Uh, we got Nancy Pelosi into a room, and uh, we were able to get uh, a basket for the front of the bike. <laughs> Finally, we ordered a surge of kickstands, and that allowed them to stand up on their own for at least a short period of time. <laughs> I like where it's just like there's kickstands in every single direction, so like it can't possibly <laughs> fall over. Look, they're balancing. They're riding the bike. There's no wheels and no handlebars, as you gotta you gotta do a lot to keep it balanced. I think everything in the book should have been told in terms of a metaphor that had to do with some kind of a vehicle. <laughs> like we were on the uh, pogo stick of Katrina. <laughs> oh, God. We realized. <laughs> Isn't this so great? Because, like, as opposed to, like, you know, in Iraq, where mentally handicapped people get recruited to be suicide bombers, like, our mentally handicapped people get recruited to, like, be present for eight years. <laughs> That is it for our show. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to Read It and Weep. Uh, we will be back next week reading or watching something by Sarah Palin. We're still trying to decide if we're going to read her new book or watch her new TV show. But there is some Sarah Palin in our future. I'm leaning towards the TV show at this moment, but we'll see. Also, be sure to suggest topic at read-weep.com suggest. And you can also give us feedback. And importantly, you can join our mailing list. Go to readweep.com contact 
And if you do that, you can uh, sign up, join our mailing list, and we will send you some really awesome re- re- bookmarks that we have created. And uh, so please do that right away. We would love to ha- have that from you, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much, as always, for being here, Chris and Ezra. Of course. Uh-huh. And thank you for joining us these last few weeks and subjecting yourself to Mr. Bush, Mr. Andrew. It's been great to have you. The pleasure has been mine. I'd like you to think of me as a pair of rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. I will think of you fondly as such. And uh, you can check out more from Andrew, andrewberkowitz.com. We will be back next week. Take care. Goodbye, everybody. Ching, 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 ching. Ching, 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 ching. Uh, <laughs> Were you Mario in that sound? No, I was a bicycle that fell apart, fell over. Okay. I thought you busted a block and then picked up coins. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. But I was not. Megan and I are going to have a, a holiday, a vegetarian holiday feast for some friends where we'll do like the whole Thanksgiving style thing with a field roast, but, and, yeah, nice. and a vegan pie for the vegan people and just try to make the whole thing edible and fun. You, who are your vegan friends? Do you have vegan friends? Uh, I do. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, for, for, for someone who is a finicky eater, I have no patience for other finickier eaters. Yeah. Like, I have no <laughs> patience for vegans or people with peanut allergies. I just can't ta- I can't tolerate it. Or celiac <laughs> disease. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Well, kosher, halal. Yeah. <laughs> None of it. <laughs> Actually, on my on my plane on the flight here, they were like, "We will not. We will only be serving pretzels today to protect the health of one of our passengers." So there was someone who's so allergic to peanuts, she'd die if I ate them. <laughs> Which really shouldn't have pissed me off as much as it did, but I was furious at her. <laughs> Listen, bitch, you're not gonna have to eat it. I promise not to make out with you later. Well, you'll you'll try to try. <laughs> I mean, things do happen. <laughs>